welcome to Prepare Like a Pro Live Chats. My name's Jack McLean. I created Prepare Like a Pro early in the year. We are a strength and conditioning business that specialise in athletic development for footballers. If you're interested in checking out our um, coach's bio as well as training packages, feel free to head over to our website, preparelikeapro.com, um, where you can see our training packages both online and face-to-face as well as online program training programs that you can follow, including free downloadable programs to get a intro experience to the way that we work. Really excited today to catch up with Dr. Fergus Conley. For those that don't know Fergus, he is one of the world's foremost human potential thought leaders in, and influencers in the world, author of the best-selling book, Game Changer, The Art of Sports Science. Uh, Fergus has applied performance science with leading teams military and business teams. He is one of the only coaches to have full-time roles in every major sport, including soccer, both Liverpool and Bolton Wanderers, professional and college football, San Francisco 49ers and the University of Michigan, and rugby with the Welsh national team and elite military units as well. You can check out his TED talk on leadership, authenticity, and sheepdogs. Fergus Conley shares his personal story of success authenticity and the power of empathy among leaders. I see Fergus has jumped on, so I'm going to uh, invite him on to join me. Give us a few seconds to get the connection. This is the first international Prepare Like a Pro live chat as well. I'm super excited. G'day, Fergus. How are you doing, mate? Going well, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. What's the weather like? Uh, it's beautiful. I'm actually doing this one from my car, so you can get a bit of an idea. Oh, nice. Uh, a bit of, bit of sunshine. So I miss all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the weather like where you are? It's good. It's probably not as warm. It's probably not as warm as where you are, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good at the minute. I can imagine that's not not hard when it comes to weather. Absolutely. Thanks for jumping on, mate. I'm really looking yeah. forward to this chat. Happy to. I've been More than happy. Thanks for asking me. I'm a, I'm a big fan, so I love I love your quotes on the Instagram. For those that are not following your page, definitely <laughs> check it out. Are they a lot of them? You come up yourself or you? Or are they something you get inspirations from from other people? How do you come up with all the, uh, the quotes? Some of them, actually, some of them are just stuff you learn as a as a child. Actually, a lot yeah. of them. Like actually, like there was one about a three legged stool that I'd heard from my yeah. parents about. Like because I often wondered why farmers milking had a three legged stool, but believe it or not, a three legged stool is always always finds steady ground. More stable. Leg. More stable, yeah, there you go. Useless piece of information, but hey, if anybody ends up if strength and conditioning fails and they end up working on a farm now they know yeah actually that makes sense to me i remember someone telling me that the triangle was one of the strongest shapes yeah i guess it sort yeah. of creates a bit of a, a triangle yeah i think there's a good lesson in that like i mean i think sometimes we're always searching for a magic bullet but a lot of the things that a lot of the, the old principles still apply common sense is is uh, still undefeated absolutely yeah and that's where tradition can help us in the current world yeah. can't it yeah yeah let's crack straight into it mate take us back to the beginning where did the passion was there a day that you recall or an age that you're at where you re- recognize, yeah, I'm going to work in high performance with whether it be with SAS guys, military, or with your Liverpool teams and, and elite teams? Uh, no, it's- no, it was just a kid playing Gaelic football. The, the, I know AFL is the second greatest field sport in the world, but, and, <laughs> but I think, no, it was, it was just, it was just playing, playing footy at home. And I just wanted to be, I started a little bit later than most and just wanted to get better and tried to learn everything I could and that was a tough lesson for me because when I started playing football I was trying to catch up with everybody else and so I thought at the time it was oh, I'll just get fitter I'm not fit enough I'm not whatever but 
then you slowly eventually you realize a lot of it's down to skill and by the time i realized how important skill was it was too mm -hmm. late and uh, so that was a tough lesson to learn and then my plan to be honest was just to go and be a school teacher so that i could coach kids in the evening that was really all i wanted to do at 18 19 going to going to university i went on to, i was going to become a woodwork teacher woodwork and construction teacher that was my plan yeah. state of university and i what i did then was and this is a good lesson for for anybody at uni is that's the best time you're going to have if you wanted to learn something so i would just save my money and i would yeah. travel around the world to to learn and probably actually one of the first coaches that really helped me was an australian ashley jones he was strength coach with uh, the all blacks at the time and i remember yeah. i just started teaching went down to visit him down in new zealand got sunburned within 30 minutes no ozone layer down there and he was brilliant and to be honest that was it I, I just followed a passion and interest for trying to just i just wanted to learn about how humans could be better and particularly in sports starting out that was it just yeah. to, and I, to be honest even today that's just that's just what i'm interested in how what do you make sure yeah how do you make people better yeah yeah fantastic it's a great life pursuit and you, and you mentioned empathy in your in your ted talk mm -hmm. and it's so with ashley jones did you email uh phone call what how did you make that contact because uh, it does uh, to reach out. That's about, I'm 43 now. So it's about almost 20 years ago. And I mm -hmm. think it must have been an email. And Ash was Ash was brilliant. And, and that's the thing, I think, in this industry. Like, that's one of the things, like, you mean you or somebody else might ask me to do something. And I always remember people like Ashley or that would always know. There's only one person's ever said no to me. And I think back then anyway, people were just all too willing to share. I don't know if it's quite the same now, but I was very fortunate. A lot of people helped me. And yeah. if I can help anyone, I will. But yeah, I think it was an email. And I said, if you can get down here, because I, I like I me, mean, I offered to pay. I said, listen, can I, can I pay you for your time? I didn't know whether I could afford it. I probably couldn't have if he had put a price on it. He said, yeah. if, you get down, if you can get down here, this is the address. So I went, to book, went booked a flight. And I remember, like, I mean, I, I, I have so many memories, actually, of, like, I remember going to San Diego to visit Dan Path. And yep. you're, you don't know if you've got enough money to get a cab back to the hotel, like you're scrimping and scraping and yeah. it's, it's just the journey you go on. But yeah, Off, you, yeah, yeah, just, you manage to save enough money. You take a risk, you go and you learn and, uh, you build great relationships and, but you learn, I think that's one of the things that, and obviously with COVID it's, it's difficult, but I would encourage coaches to go and visit people because you pick up a lot more than you just learn on courses or you learn remotely like you like the big thing I, I got from for example ashley was his style and his manner like mm. he, he like i picked up so many things watching him he had richie mccall and dan carter walking around the weight room and keeping them in their place and yeah these are these are gods of the game but it was his personality yeah well, another thing actually i learned when i was down there was he he was telling he gave me he gave me the program that they were using and i was going oh man i'll, I'll give you this back thank you because to me, this was gold. Like this was a training program. He said, no, 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 keep it. He said, don't worry. He said, I've given it to all the other strength coaches. So he was at Canterbury at the time, but he had given it to the Blues and he had shared it with everybody. And I said, wow, because I thought this was gold dust. He said, yeah. he said, no, he said, first of all, the training program is only one part. Next, you have to have the athletes and the players that I have that I'm fortunate to have. And then you got to implement it. And that was a big eye opener for me. Like it's not about sets and reps. Got to have yeah. good athletes, and you got to be able to implement it. And there are some some young coaches that may be watching, and I think there's a great lesson in that. Like you do need to see excellence, don't you, to understand it? That like you can't really read about how a coach carries himself in a in a weight room or on the field, or those interactions with people and the people skills, the art of coaching. I guess it's called. 
Yeah, he pulled me one. He said to me, he, I remember him pointing out one time, he said, did you see what I said to those three guys? And I hadn't, I'd missed it. And what he had said to them was he was walking past, they weren't working. And he said, out of a cappuccino with two shots. And it was his way of having a dig at them that this isn't a coffee house. And it yeah. was like, there's something like that. You're not going to see that in a course or you're not going to pick that up. But it was, and again, these are, like I said, legends of, of rugby. And Richard mm. was named the greatest player ever. But so to see those things, you've got to talk to people. You're not going to read that in a book. Yeah. And how would you, like, would you journal it? Would you, when you drive away from a session like that, would you just mentally digest it in the car? Like, what was your process of... I wasn't great at writing a journal. I would scribble notes and stuff maybe in the evening. But I tried to remember a lot. I reflected, thought a lot. That's just the way my brain works. Yeah, I sketch a lot. Like, I mean, I, I have large notebooks that I'll draw diagrams and I'll try and visualize it. But I think that's just because I'm, I'm more visual in terms of learning. So I've got lots of notebooks, like even just lying here, I've got all of these like black notebooks with stuff scribbled in them and, and arts. And I can just trying to improve how I can visualize things and how they interact. Yeah, fantastic. And so you mentioned teaching early on was something that you recognize within yourself that you love to share and, and make people better. What was your first teaching role? Was it at a high school? Was it um, working in a sporting team? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, was, I, I taught for three years as a construction and uh, woodwork teacher. And yeah, uh, yeah some of them are worse than that. That's the other thing. I think people sometimes don't see the value in learning from other industries. And there's so much to learn from other areas. Like I learned a lot about teaching. I learned a lot about communicating. Like, I mean, we would do things that the kids had no interest in. And so I had to come up with projects for them, like where we would, I had to make it interesting to get them involved. Yep. And like 15 years later, I'm standing in front of like an NFL team and I'm trying to teach them about nutrition. Well, mm. I got to make it interesting for these because uh, athletes got to engage your audience, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. You got to make it. And you, the other thing too, is you got to make it of value to them. I thought at first you had to make it just interesting, but you got to provide value. So they have to see why they would want to do it, but why you want it and why they want it are two completely mm. different things. Like some guys want it for status, some guys want it for whatever. So that was really, really helpful. Understanding as well the way different people. So you asked me how, so knowing that I sketch, yeah. some other athletes might like to see it written. Some others like rhyme things that rhyme. So yep. when I present now, I try and include a combination of all those things so that I hope to reach everybody in the audience that, so my presentations, I, I put a lot of work into how they're presented, not just the content, a lot of yeah. time on the presentation of it. Yeah. Someone's perception and lens it, yeah, it varies, doesn't it, amongst the group? Exactly. Yeah. And you have to be aware of that. And also different people have different backgrounds. Yeah. So you could be talking to somebody who might've done an engineering degree or somebody who's studying that, or, or you could be talking to somebody who's really interested in music. They're going to learn. Or they're going to hear that they're going to see the same presentation, but they're going to interpret it in different ways. So you have to cater for all of those audiences. And is it a matter of a matter of knowing, like, if it's a sporting team and their athletes, do they, is there a, a trend there with athletes compared to military, compared to corporate, or is it a matter of do you do yeah. a survey before a presentation to find no. out individual, or is it just no? Most most athletes, like we we did studies, most athletes like seven. This is no surprise, but seventy percent of them are kinesthetic learners. Yep. What's interesting, though, is that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how they were born. By the time you see them, they have learned how to learn by doing. So the environment. And so, yeah. And so they're largely visual and kinesthetic. But so you focus on being 
a little bit more visual. But at the mm. same time, you also have to provide like a reason for them to do it. So for a veteran athlete, for example, you want to stress with them, this is going to give them longer in their career. Yeah. With a younger athlete, it might be more about this is going to help you perform better so that you can at least make the team in the next yeah. year or two. And so having that, knowing not just the actual medium of presenting, but also knowing what trigger and button you want to press in the different people. That's, these are just considerations. It's not a science. Like, I mean, you can't say what well, 20% of my time has to be about this. You, you've got to be just aware of your audience. Yeah, you know? it's something that I'm in the process now. We're part of a team that are opening up a gym and we're, we're going through the program. And yeah, it resonates with me because we're trying to think of what our members will be, but we don't know yet. Yeah, and you have to view it as well as an an iterative cycle. So when you give a presentation or you, you present something, you have to be very aware of what you hear back. Yeah, I gave a talk one time to 49ers and, and I said it, in it, I said, just, you got to take the shake. Anyway, that wasn't a key phrase for me. I know the key phrase I was really trying to get across, mm. but throughout the rest of the day, all I could hear was the guys joking, take the shake, take the shake, make sure you take the shake. So then <laughs> that was not intended, but then I used that as a banner or as a, like I call them campaigns. So I took yeah. that phrase and that became a, a campaign phrase because yeah. when you're trying to drive home behavior change, you should almost consider it as an advertising campaign. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to advertise your post-workout shake. Well, if that's something, so they latched onto it. So I treat it as an advertising campaign because that's, you're competing against Nike, Adidas and everything else that these, for these guys' attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's ingrained and particularly more so in today's world with oh, social yeah. media. Yeah. Getting attention is, yeah, it's, it's competitive. It is. Yeah. And you, and one other thing that I, one of the mistake, I think that I made this early on, I think I see some people doing it is they consider, they think that what they deem important is important is what the client or the athlete is going to think is important. Yeah. They're completely different. Like some people just want to turn up and know what to do. They don't care about mitochondria and central mm. nervous system or whatever. They, yeah. they, they want to know what benefit they're going to get from it. Yep. So you have to visually put yourself in the seat or in their position and consider what are they seeing or hearing from me. And that's where the empathy side of things is a, is a strong suit to have for a coach, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's a careful balance as well between empathy and sympathy. Like, you I mean, empathy is where you understand someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. Sympathy is where you start to share someone's feelings. And that can be dangerous. So it can be, it can be beneficial, but you, you, it's a careful balance. Like, I mean, if somebody comes in and they're really struggling, you and you're trying to help them, getting into the hole with them may not necessarily be the best thing for them. Yeah. But understanding that they're in, the, in that struggle and truly understanding how they feel and then truly understanding how to help them get out, I think that's what a lot of high performers desire. But yeah. getting in there with them sometimes can be dangerous. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes sympathy and is, it can be risky. It can be risky. Yeah activity yeah i don't know if that makes, makes sense, sense but no it does make sense it makes a lot of sense and i think it, i don't know maybe there's a potential feel that you do need to connect with them and by doing that you, you're on their level all the time where sometimes it's just like you're saying like you you haven't gone through what they've gone through you don't understand it but you're there for support and just reaching out and listening yeah using the word i understand sometimes can like off straight off the bat that that can be like if some if somebody's struggling and you say, I understand. First of all, you have to listen. And mm. to show that you're listening, you, you have to be quiet and sh just shut up for a minute. Let mm. them say what they want to say and then ask questions about it so they know that you're listening and not just listening, but you hear them. Yeah. And then possibly you can say, I understand, or then you can start to empathize. 
But if somebody starts to say, I'm really sore and say, yeah, I understand. You haven't actually listened to me. You know what I mean, and there could be underlying things that they're waiting for. They're waiting to tell you as well. Yeah. So empathy is important. If you don't have empathy, you're not going to understand people. Understand, like, I mean, you see it with sociopaths, but sympathy then is a, is a tricky line as well, because yeah. it's, it's like I use the analogy of if you're walking past a river or lake and you see somebody in the water and they're struggling, empathy is where you help them get out and you support them to get get out with sympathy sometimes it's just diving straight in now there's two of you in the water and you know it's pretty it's a lot more it's a lot more risky you think you're yeah. doing the right thing but it could mean both of you are going down but so yeah. yeah so it's having that balance that on a personal level helping people yeah yeah i guess that's where experience comes into it yeah yeah you only have to drown once before you realize it's a careful balance yeah and on that note, like you've witnessed and worked with a lot of successful teams and units um, across a whole lot of sports and businesses. Are there common traits that you've learned along the way that, that if you're working with a developing team or a developing unit that you try and work with straight off the bat? Like, I guess, yeah, important I think, pillars. Yeah, I think the, the first one for me is always, is always honesty. And I mean that in that you're like brutally honest with, with each other. But first of all, with yourself, that means... If, for example, you're not getting in shape, well, you need to be honest about, you need to take a good hard look in the mirror and be really honest with yourself. But you also need to be honest with your coaches and with each other. If you've got honesty, now you can start to make progress because you can find the solutions quicker, particularly as a team. If you don't have that, everything else is going to struggle. You need to be humble. And that's about, that's having like a humble confidence. You need to be secure. If you're honest with yourself, you're secure in knowing what you're good at, but you're also secure in knowing what your limitations are. And, you're going to, and those are opportunities. So you're going to keep getting better at those. When you meet someone like that, they're very, very tough to beat because they're not yeah. hiding anything. And so, but having that humility to know I'm good at this, but I might not be the best. These are my limitations. Now you can start, you're constantly learning. And even when you win, you come in and you've got the humility to go, I could have done better. Yeah. And you handle winning better. When you lose, you're humble enough to know, okay, I, I took a beating, and but I'm going to get better. And the, the last one, honesty, humility, but the last one is hard work. Like, you I mean, there's no way around it. You've got to work hard. And by hard work, I just don't mean putting in hours. I mean, like, real quality yeah. hard work. Yeah, it always comes yeah. back to, to that. Those yeah. three things are, are universal to all. Yeah. It doesn't matter what group, person, or unit, or business is. Yeah. If you find yeah, out, it's, you're in a good place. Into something special. If you're presenting to a group or consulting with a with a team, and you recognise that you know honesty isn't consistent in maybe the leadership group or the coaching or important or even at yeah the playing group, let's say anyone that's heavily involved in the in the club, how do you go about that? Is it a matter of just taking it on and, and mentioning it, flagging it to the group, and dealing with it that way, or are there exercises that, that teams and units can do to improve honesty? Or you can do that. I think in the best organisations, it tends to happen organically. But you'll always have some that you're going to struggle with. But first and foremost is it has to come from leadership because everybody takes their direction from that. It's really interesting. Like, I mean, in, in, if you're in a locker room at halftime and you're down by a few scores and the head coach walks in, everybody looks to the head coach to see how they're going to act. So I've been in locker rooms like where you're down by a few scores, you come in and guys are bitching and moaning and whatever. As soon as the head coach comes in, everything pauses for a split second. Yeah. And they're looking to see, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they confident? Do they have a solution? Yeah. And if the head coach comes in and he's confident and direct and clinical, that changes everything. So it's always from the top down. So the head coach has to be honest, humble, hardworking. And that authenticity is not something you can put on 
just for a day or two or so by living it you feed that through that becomes that drives the culture it sets your role model for the team everybody sees that's the standard and you praise it if it becomes an issue with somebody then it's really a case of trying to figure out why might that be happening sometimes it's down to fear or insecurity most mm. more often than not it's fear coming from insecurity they're worried about maybe their position they're worried that they're not playing well and yeah. so taking the time to again sit down and talk to them individually flagging it up front and saying you're not being honest or that that's usually the last resort right. because now you're accusing someone and you're challenging them and in sport there are a lot of egos so you want to try and yeah. let them come to that conclusion themselves yep. and sometimes it's just a case of asking what's up or getting somebody else who's closer to them to do that first yeah and you mentioned the head coach and it's, it, it trickles down. What about in sports like, maybe let's say, LeBron James, for an example? Could he potentially be that person where the, in the locker room everyone's looking to, to him? Or does it need to be, for a successful unit, does it need to be the coach? Yeah, it depends on the sport. For example, in football, generally it's the head coach. In basketball, like LeBron James is probably an exception where he's, he's prob- probably is the head coach. You know what I mean, like in some organizations, but... Usually it comes from, from the head coach down. If you've got very strong team leadership, your captain, yeah, like I mean, some rugby teams, that would be the case where... And the other, it raises another interesting point is, comes down to who you pick as your captain. Been in a lot of meetings where management are going, who do we pick as our captain? Sometimes it's not your star player, but it's somebody yeah. who's going to epitomize uh, and going to represent honesty and they're going to grow into that role. I've seen teams where captains are selected or they were in encouraged or developed into captains because they displayed that obviously they could play the game but they also displayed the qualities that the management were were looking for it actually raises i know a good point so i was involved with hawthorne but then i was managing the fitness department with the box hill which is the reserves team mm, yeah and i remember having a chat with the head coach and we were thinking that the way that we've always selected the captain is the players select the captain and we're just as an exercise just going through that on just challenging that exercise on is that the best way we're we doing that again the second year round and we got the psychologist involved what, what does he think what do you think the best exercise does it depend on the group does it depend on the club who should select the captain for the team i think it depends i think if you've got a very mature group and they know what they and that they're going to pick the right person i think you can do that i think if you've got a young group and you're trying to maybe change culture i think you should leave it up to, to management i've also been in situations where i've seen the players vote and when the votes are being counted by the coaches there's a change yeah. made or yeah. you know, maybe that not exactly quite um which nobody finds out and the next thing people go wow he was he was select- we, we voted him that's a surprise so yeah so players yeah. think they got the the captain that everybody wanted but i think that management i think it's always good for management usually they have a good wide view of everything that's happening. And if you've got a good culture in place, they're going to pick the right person anyway. But I've seen it interesting. I've also seen where the players were asked to vote on the qualities that they thought every single player in their team had, the top three qualities. So they were given a list and they had to just pick three qualities for each player. And then based on that, they were asked to pick what were the the qualities that they wanted in a captain. And then the management had already somebody in mind. And when they looked at the person that they were looking to pick, nobody had given him the qualities. None of the players had saw him with those qualities that they were looking for. And so, and this was a new management team who had just taken over. So they, in the few weeks of preseason, had really misjudged players. And that's also an interesting thing as well, because obviously in preseason, some players can train, train like Tarzan, but when it comes to season, they play like Jane. So... Yeah, you know, it's it's not just simply to your point. Like it's just not just as straightforward as just picking the best player or who you think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. I mean, that's the fun about sport, isn't it? It's multifaceted and and, it, and oh, so so many variables, so yeah. many variables. And as soon as you think about all, you get you get taught a lesson. Like, I mean, you can have the fittest team, you can whatever, you yeah. can have a great tactical plan, but yeah, life life humbles you. Yeah, it does. What are you excited about for 2021? I know you've got a website for those checking out. Check out the website fergusconley.com. TED Talk. You've written books. What's sort of the next, you know, you've, seems like you've done it um, what, what, What's the future hold? What are you excited about? I actually, just, I actually just working on a, a 12-month course for coaches. So what I've uh, done, cool. and actually I was pulling it up today, was just all with each of the different teams, all of the different presentations that I've done, even, all of, even down to the posters that I use at different teams and organizations is the reason and, and not just giving it away, but explaining why so that yeah. people can take those ideas and use them or change them or to be honest with you make them better and so even like just some of the talks the presentations that i did explaining this is the talk that i gave but this is the reasoning behind it even down to exactly what we're talking about like in terms of the language that was used even like i mean maybe this says more about me but even down to the coloring and the reason why i use different colors yeah yeah stuff like that so um for that engagement and and you know to get the desired influence that you want yeah and also again like i mean i i treated everything as a as an advertising campaign it is just yeah. simply in terms of culture and communication but even i even have the old documents the old spreadsheets where i and it, now looking back and you'd laugh at it but the detail gone into okay this is what the headline is going to be this is what the subheading is going to be this is what the color is going to be this is where it's going to be placed and yeah. how frequently so to drive home just like you would if you were advertising a new adidas or a new supplement or whatever i stole stole every single idea i could from marketing and sales because that's what you're competing against. And even more so now at Instagram and Twitter and whatever, yeah. it's about the frequency and about driving home an image that people can recognize. So It sticks. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I'll be interested in that course. I think I'd love yeah. to do something like that. It's something I've tried to do self-taught myself and, and applied, but to have a framework and particularly that you add in context to it as well, where you get that understanding on how you were thinking and then, then the, how that would transfer to what you did would be a massive resource for, for all coaches. Like, I mean, everything is the actual examples that I use. But yeah, for me, it's I, I'm delighted if someone takes an idea and runs with it. But I get more enjoyment when someone takes it, understands why and does it their own way. Because like for me, I don't want to be, I'm not, I don't want to be a guru or anything. It's about yeah. this is a problem I had. This is how I approached it. This is what worked. This is what didn't. Like one, one example, not to keep you, but one example was like, I mean, I show a poster and we did everything at Niners was for a sauna. And this is when to use it. This is the protocol. This is why. Yeah. And I remember walking out of the locker room after spending, I don't know, many thousands of dollars getting this done. It was beautiful, full size. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. And Kaepernick comes to me and he goes, hey, you got a second? I go, yeah, come here, have a look at this. And I had it as Celsius on the sign. I had the temperatures of Celsius. He goes, what the hell Celsius? He said, we're Fahrenheit <laughs> here. So I, like, you mean, so I, I made lots of mistakes, but people can learn from them brilliant yeah yeah and, and yeah it gives you confidence that someone like yourself that has had your experiences you know is like when it comes to honesty like you, you make you made mistakes yourself along the way and i guess it's learning from it isn't it it's not making the same mistake twice so even if you do then don't make it the third time i guess <laughs> yeah if you like i mean it's obviously you, you make you make mistakes you make it a second time it's definitely a mistake well thank you so much for this chat no no worries fantastic i've absolutely thank you very much for having it. me